all the sheeps. Sorry, thank you. Right, okay, July the 18th. <coughs> Happen to know that because I've got streams in the desert open here in front of me. And I, that, this just uh, popped out at me this morning amongst other things I was looking at. And the scripture is uh, 2 Chronicles 16.9 The eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. That's a brilliant uh, translation because it says in some of them whose hearts are perfect before him. But that simply means fully committed. And I don't know what translation this is, uh, but it's a good one. And it says God is looking for men and women whose hearts are firmly fixed on him and who will continually trust him for all he desires to do with their lives. God is ready and eager to work more powerfully than ever through his people, and the clock of the centuries is striking the eleventh hour. The world is watching and waiting to see what God can do through a life committed to him. And not only is the world waiting, but God himself awaits to see who will be the most completely devoted person who has ever lived. That's not a bad goal, is it? To decide you want to be the most devoted person who has ever lived. Willing to be nothing so that Christ may be everything. Fully accepting God's purposes as his own. Receiving Christ's humility, faith, love and power. Yet never hindering God's plan. But always allowing him to continue his miraculous work. There is no limit to what God can do through you provided you do not seek your own glory. George Muller, at more than 90 years of age, in an address to ministers and other Christian workers said, I was converted in November 1825, but I didn't come to the point of total surrender of my heart until nearly four years later, in July 1829. It was then I realised my love for money, prominence, position, power and worldly pleasure was gone. God and he alone became my all in all. In him I found everything I needed and I desired nothing else. By God's grace my understanding of his sufficiency has remained to this day, making me an exceedingly happy man. It has led me to care only about the things of God. And so, dear believers, I kindly ask you, if you have totally surrendered your heart to God, or is there something in your life you refuse to release in spite of God's call? Before the point at which I surrendered my life, I read a little of the scriptures but preferred other books. Yet since that time, the truth he has revealed to me of himself has become an inexpressible blessing. Now I can honestly say from the depth of my heart that God is an infinitely wonderful being. Please never be satisfied until you too can express from your innermost soul God is an infinitely wonderful being. Then George Whitfield, Whitefield said, My prayer today is that God would make me an extraordinary Christian. It sort of uh, <coughs> it, uh, swings on from where we were at the school really, doesn't it? Absolute surrender and um, wanting to be just sold out for God. And, and it's a decision, isn't it, of every one of us whether we're going to be sold out uh, or whether the, the, the enemy will win when he says far too dangerous that way, don't go there, don't go there because that's what he'll say, you know 
did God really say? Um, and so we miss out on the finest things that God has got for us. I don't know how I'm going to do this. For those of you listening on the CD, I have a white tissue, which I wanted to do the um, demonstration of the robe of righteousness with. You're going to hold it for me. Thank you so much. Thank you. And now I'm putting this uh, robe of righteousness, which is just a white tissue, over my hand. I just, for some reason or other, wanted to reinforce this again. We are covered over with a robe of righteousness that Jesus gives to us. But while it's just a covering, it's not all that God wants to do because what he wants to do is to work it in. And so in looking at what we're looking at at the moment, which is the fruit of the Spirit or the school of the Spirit, we're looking at him working in that which he has placed over us so that though we're covered with a robe of righteousness, we're, like as I say, we're like two boxers fighting under the blanket. You know, you can see the all the bumps and lumps as God deals with our lives and works in the righteousness of Christ within us so that it come, it shines out. Thank you, darling. So that's what I wanted to do. So um, you could title this little, um, whatever it's called, um, teaching, whatever, The School of the Spirit, Embracing Change. I put these up here, though they are... Um, to do with rea rejection reactions they're actually the good tree and the bad tree of what we were speaking about um, during the school the old nature and the new because you get to choose which one you're going to live in and the, the old nature has got all these things like control, hostility, isolation, passivity, depression, hatred, anger, resentment none of us have got any of those uh, bitterness, low self <laughs> I read it in a book as John Mother would say uh, and the fruit that comes off of that is stinking. Um, the roots are, are um, blame, abuse, powerlessness, fear, guilt, shame. So all of our old DNA. But when we were born again, we were given a completely new DNA. And the choice is ours whether we nourish and nurture the new nature or the old. Uh, you all know about the story of the car and how... God had to get a grip on me before I garroted the man that <laughs> plays God he did. It's all about submitting to the Spirit of God within, which is what we were looking at then with the robe of righteousness over us. And he works it in. Sometimes it's more painful than others because he has determined to bring many sons to glory. Hello, sons. We do not want to be nepios all our lives, do we? Nepios is as a child without speech. Uh, Technon is a young child like my little granddaughter, six or seven. Paidon is a lad, 11s to 15s. And then the Huios is a fully mature son. And the scripture that we started with is the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro to see whose heart is mature or set on maturity before him. He doesn't wait till we're perfected in maturity to deal with us. It's always the attitude of the heart. Jesus, what he, when he says, turn your eyes from me in the Song of Solomon because they overwhelm me, it's not her ability to do the thing that actually overwhelms him. It's her desire to do it. I can't do this thing, but I want to follow you with all my heart. And he melts. 
we tend to think that we've got to get all our ducks in a row first and then it, then he will look at us but no he says no it's the intention of your heart that I look at that's why God only ever deals with our heart I had a prophetic word from Lola before uh, I think it was while she was here wasn't it that God would be sending people along but I needed to not look at the outward and the abilities of the people which is easy to do when you've got needs and this person looks as if they'll fit the bill nicely but to look on the heart because you remember when he chose David though he was a handsome young man it was the heart that God was looking at David fell over tripped up badly we all trip up uh, it's not about tripping up it's about the heart's intent uh, David had a weakness didn't he it was ladies and he tarried in Jerusalem when he shouldn't have done when all, in the springtime when the kings went to war he stayed behind and it tripped him up nicely because he then saw this rather glamorous uh, UFO unclad female object as <laughs> as Bob Mumford this UFO he saw this UFO led him sorely off so the nature of God is the fruit of the Spirit that is what when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit it's actually the nature of God being worked out through us those nine fruit are the fruit of the Spirit so it's only one one Spirit so it's never the fruits of the Spirit it's singular because it is the fruit of the Spirit you don't talk of the fruits of a tree you talk of the fruit of a tree we've got an apple tree not an apples tree <laughs> another thing like people say in Revelations the book of Revelations and I think no it's the book of the Revelation it is singular these little things get get <laughs> but I'm teaching on the fruit of self-control right now <laughs> so guess where all my tests are gonna come ah but what I wanted to just sort of um, talk about for a minute is uh, when God corrects you it's not rejection uh, so you could call it correction not rejection I'm gonna make a big noise because I'm gonna put can I put this down for a minute to this in due time I want to look at uh, Hebrews 12:11. that will be a good place to start do you want a Bible Sean because we can provide that thing you're listening that's okay whatever you're comfortable with Perhaps I'll start further up. Hebrews 12.5 My son, do not despise the chastening or discipline of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you're rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and scourges every son whom he receives. 
If you endure discipline, God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom a father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of Spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them, but he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now no discipline seems to be joyful for the present, but grievous. Remember we kept banging on about the truth when it comes first, is, all, is always negative, it's painful. When God points something out, we jump to our defense, don't we? Nevertheless, afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. So that's the major scripture that I just wanted to look at, really. And it's about embracing change, because correction is not rejection. Um, and if we're going to develop self-control, which is a fruit of the Spirit, we're going to have to develop and choose to operate in it. Um, and we're going to choose to embrace the change that God wants to bring. Um, because he loves us enough not to leave us where we are. And actually the writer of the Hebrews uses the Greek word paideia for discipline, which has to do with the training of a child, and it's spelt P-A-I-D-E-I-A -E for discipline. And it does not say the Lord disciplines us as a punishment for sin or because he's mad at us. Um, when people come under the discipline of the Lord, the usual response is to feel rejected and retreat, feeling sorry for ourselves. And instead of running to him, we run away. And that's so counterproductive because we run straight into the enemy's camp. So when God is speaking to you about something, the safe place to do is to go to him. Because he will. He will talk to us about things because he has to make the mid-course corrections in order to bring many sons to glory. Uh, and we want to be sons, don't we? Because the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro to strengthen those whose hearts are committed towards him. You get the kingdom blessings as you come into alignment with what God is doing. You come into your inheritance. So you choose to be wholehearted for him and he can then release his wholehearted blessing to you. Because he's not, as we've said before, going to give a kiddie of three a Lamborghini he's going to give him a tricycle and we don't want to be peddling about on a tricycle all our lives um, it is when we come in to the deeper things of God our hearts are fully committed to him and he is always fully committed to us but as I say we cannot receive the whole of the inheritance until we make the choices and so we're all now in a position having been through the school uh, to start making the choices that we need to, to make, um, to line us up. And Hebrews 12, 11 vividly describes the school of the Spirit when it says, all discipline for the moment, not some, seems not to be joyful but sorrowful. And here comes, the, as your husband is loving to say, the caveat. <laughs> Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. If you're not trained by it, you don't get the... <laughs> 
so y you come to the place where you think I do not want to go around this one again you know I've seen this signal before I don't want to go around this mountain you have compassed this mountain long enough go straight so correction and discipline is probably one of the most misunderstood and misinterpreted elements of the Christian life because someone who is not with us this morning the correction of the Lord is coming through someone that they don't want to hear and so they're withdrawing away from she's not, she's not here at the meeting this morning because what's happened is that was not to her taste the fact that the message last week was for her was not to her taste those of you who weren't here um, I, le I left it because I, un until I could get the young lady on her own because I didn't want to say anything and I'd asked the Lord what I had to say and he said simply say the message this morning was for you don't have to go into any detail I finally cornered her in the kitchen at quarter to nine when she was making her cocoa and um, I said the message this morning was for you and she said what was it? like a machine gun so she looked at her notes and um, decided that it wasn't so that's okay that's fine round it will go again but as Graham would say it gains interest each time you go around it so we need to be realistic when the Lord disciplines us it does hurt and if you think back to the last time the Lord brought correction to your life there was an element of pain involved <laughs> There always is. Uh, there's no other way. You see, we live in a very permissive uh, um, and humanistic society. And they've taught us that discipline is wrong. Mustn't smack our children. You know, all this nonsense. And of course we're reaping now from, from n not doing that. We've got, we've got a society where the children rule, rule everything. Uh, and it's, you know... So we have come to view any type of painful reinforcement as cruel, mean or unloving. And that will be the reaction of the person that I was speaking about then because Telsa received an email um, from her and, and it was the, the, the email that came was nothing to do with what Telsa had said. Oh, I don't know. Anyway, very firmly she said she didn't receive it and she thought that I was cruel the way I'd addressed her and I thought, one-liner the message was for you there was nothing cruel in that <laughs> the message might have been a bit hard-hitting but uh, there we are anyway we need to embrace the change that God is trying to make in our lives and we need to run to him now because otherwise we've got a wrong concept of his love as I was saying to um, Anne and someone last night um, Lola said I, I got concerned because I felt Lord you know everybody's on about the father heart and and all that but my message seems to be somewhat different uh, and Lola said that the God was saying it is different it's not the father heart but it has the elements of the father heart because whom the Lord loveth he correcteth so you've got to have the two because otherwise the people who know me know that I love you, but I ain't going to leave you where you are. I won't do it. Um, because 
it's not good for you. I want to see you grow up and I want to see you come in to everything God has got for you. Because there are, uh, even if they're not spoken out yet, there are prophetic, prophetic words over your lives that God has for you. He has destiny written over everyone. And so my job is to see you come into that destiny, even if I have to use the rod a bit sometimes <laughs> to bring it in. Because that is what I'm concerned about is training you up to run the race. Um, so the next phrase of Hebrews 12.11 says, those who have been trained by it. And in this one, that the writer uses the Greek word gumnazo, which is G-U-M-N-A-Z-O. Anybody like to make a guess where we get what our word is from that? Gymnasium. Gumnazo which means to exercise or train the mind and body and, and that's where we get our word gymnastics or gymnasium from. So when the Lord disciplines or trains us, one of his purposes is to exercise and enlarge our capacity to be like Jesus. And Psalm 4 verse 1 says, Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. The only time I've understood it and experienced enlargement is when I'm in distress. I do not get enlarged when I'm in Comfort Valley. <laughs> when I'm sitting there and I've got everything under control, there is no enlargement, enlargement going on. It's when I'm on the edge of things and frightened and God's got the broom in the middle of my back and shoving me for I'm getting enlarged at that point. So it's his purpose is to enlarge our capacity to be like Jesus. So he's stuffing that robe of righteousness in so that it will work out. And uh, it brings to mind the picture of an athlete who says to his coach, I'll never be able to run as fast as you want me to. So the coach says, yes, you can. You just need to be trained a little bit. So he sends him round the thing. Me. And anybody, I mean, I haven't ever done this, but... Uh, that athlete is in for some pain because apparently coaches push them, don't they? Until the, each time a little bit further so that uh, they're trained up. So it goes round and round the track thinking, he's mean, he's got it in for me, you know, I'm not going to do this. Uh, if I one, run one more step, I'll die. <laughs> Usually get to that. And about the time he thinks he's going to faint, the coach says, that's all right, have a take a rest. And of course the result of that is that after a few days of this sort of training the man can run that much faster or the woman can run that much faster. I mean Annalisa would be able to uh, tell us all about that, wouldn't it? Joyce's... Joyce's... Who? Is she? Your, your son-in-law's sister. Whatever that makes her son-in-law's sister. She was a tri British triathlon, mm -hmm. international triathlon. So she went into everything. I keep remembering that time when she told you about how when they had to swim out to sea around that thing and when they got out there out of sight of what was going on, the other swimmers were pushing people under. I mean, isn't it awful? Pushing them under? Sport. Anyway, she's out of that now. So 
So the result is the athlete can now run faster than he could before. His capacity has been enlarged. And all that the coach put him through was not punishment, it was training. So as we were looking at last week, training for raining, and there's a lot of that going on at the moment. And the issue is change and embracing what we're told to do. I think that's a fairly accurate scriptural picture of the Lord's discipline and training. Have a look at uh, 1 Timothy 2.5, which I think we actually touched on uh, last week. I remember, no, the week before at the school. I remember the time when God spoke this one to me. When he speaks to you, when he takes you through something, you don't forget it, do you? You just remember... Um, 2 Timothy 2.5, I think it is. I've got 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy 2.5, sorry. I thought that didn't look right. Have you got it there? It was, it, it, sorry dear? Won't come out on the CD. Right, okay. Um, I'll read from verse 3. And mine's headed up, uh, oh dear, okay. And chapter 2 is headed up, discipling teacher. And he's speaking here, Paul is speaking to Timothy. Giving him instructions uh, for leading the flock, teaching the flock, discipling. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. This is a, this, this, well, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Now this is the work verse that God gave me when I was at Bexley, when I was getting me knickers in the twist about something that was going on there. He said to me that this, just this, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier so that buttoned me up shut me up and stopped me looking at things that were around me but verse 5 is the one we want to look at right now and also if anyone competes in athletics he's not crowned unless he competes according to the rules you remember paul used a lot of likenesses to running the race and we looked at it i think during the uh, summer school about the marathon runners where they would um, strip off, oil themselves, and uh, run with holding on to nothing. And how people would roll golden balls in front of their feet uh, in order to distract them. And of course if they bent down to pick that up, not only did they slow themselves down, they couldn't carry this thing because they'd got nowhere to tuck it. They'd got no clothes on, so in grasping, if you like, for this world's goods, they didn't they lost the race they would not be the winner so Paul says things like so run that you may win he's always encouraging and urging everyone to be a winner as that we might receive crowns at the end of the day and 1 Corinthians 9 25 to 27 Here we go again. Or 24 now. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, 
one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate or self-controlled, exercises self-control in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others I myself should become disqualified. And we looked at this whole issue of disqualification and how um, as much as I didn't want to accept it was there, I found that it was. Um, that sooner or later we can disqualify ourselves. But God is so patient with us. He goes on and on and on trying, causing us to see, uh, correcting us. Um, it's just so lovely. So what's the end result of discipline or self-control or whatever we like to look at is the peaceable fruit of righteousness. We get that afterwards. We don't get the fruit in the middle of the discipline. It comes afterwards. So he has a purpose in discipline is the peaceable fruit of righteousness and in verse 10 of Hebrews 12 we're told he disciplines us that we may share his holiness so we're back again to character formation he's forming us and conforming us into the image of Christ and writing his laws on our hearts the young lady who at the moment won't listen won't hear um, and as I said, uh, when you don't hear, eventually you, you will become deceived because you are actually working out your own theology, living according to what your theology allows, and so you get into deception. Um, tells me that we're not under law, we're under grace, and virtually when she says that, she means, so I can do just exactly what I like. But Paul says, doesn't he, don't use your liberty as an occasion for sin. We are free, but we're not free to do just as we like. Because if God's working righteousness into us, he's writing his laws on our hearts. He says he writes it on tablets, fleshy tablets of the heart now, not on stone. Uh, and so I really felt that, bless her, she'd missed the whole issue of grace. Grace is not license. Grace is the empowerment to do what God asks you to do. Grace is the empowerment to change when he puts his finger on a thing in your life it's his empowerment to stop it when he put his finger on uh, my life that I was again drinking to de-stress because of this job being stressful he empowered me to stop for good so the grace of God moved in there because I said yes but you have to teach me how to de-stress you have to teach me. It's all right, it's talking about something, and I'm saying I don't want to do that. <laughs> I want you to do that. Okay. Um, uh, so he, he, he uh, taught me to de-stress myself in him so that booze was no longer the prop that I turned to. The thing that he now wants me to speak about is when I became a Christian I had been married for 25 years I had enjoyed a normal sexual an active sexual life and he began to speak to me about masturbation uh, 
it didn't begin to speak to me, I spoke about it and said, that is uh, a self-comforting mechanism and, and that I want that, I want you to stop. And I furthermore want you to be celibate for the rest of your life. So I sort of sat down, him down and said, um, I need to explain a thing or two, do you know? You know, um, I'm, 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 um, um, and he said, my grace. And by his grace, that has never been a problem for me, please don't test me, from that minute to this. Does not mean that I'm not made the same way as everybody else. Does not mean to say that I do not have an appetite in that area, even at my age. That doesn't make any difference. The fact is that he has enabled me to control my bodily appetite in that area. So he's enabled me to control my bodily appetite in the area of booze as well. So, you see, whatever your problem is, if your heart wants to do what he wants, he will enable you, the grace will move in. The empowering presence of God will move in to enable that control to come. He gives us self-control so that we can discipline our physical bodies. Because we all can see out there the result of undisciplined physical bodies. The, it, the, 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 the way that it goes is that the bodily appetites overtake anything. So you see overeating, over drinking, sexual promiscuity, anything to actually satisfy the sarks, which is the, is the body, S-A-R-X, which is the body. That has an appetite too. We were built with appetites. I get hungry. I get thirsty. I have a sexual appetite, which is hopefully under control. Having tasted booze, I've got an appetite for that, and that was a de-stressor. So I've been there. It's not, I do not speak as one that hasn't been there and still has to guard, you know. One of my problems when I first got born again was that I had been a very sensual woman and, uh, and I dressed to attract. So for years I looked like a hag, I, I mean no opinions please about how I look today, screwed up hair here, pulled up tight, no makeup, you know, go get fat, so that I was no longer attractive to the opposite sex, which was my way of protecting myself from falling into sin. Um, because the scripture I remember, the, the, or, the once or twice I've heard the audible word of the Lord, and at this particular time I'd not been a Christian more than a couple of months, and I'd gone to stay the night with my then boyfriend. Nothing had happened. <laughs> Not because of it, it not because of my self-control, because of his. Uh, so we hadn't done anything we shouldn't have done. And I came back to go home and I just felt uneasy because I was such a long, young Christian, I had no teaching about anything. And I went into the little church at Ash, uh, uh, in Ash Green there, and I just sat in the pew. And from about there, an audible voice came and said, Go, woman, and sin no more. I didn't know where that came from. So I had to go 
And look it up in the Bible, and it's the woman caught in adultery, the one that they brought to Jesus' feet. And she would have been brought naked. That's the way they would have done it. So there's all... And you remember from the eldest to the youngest. They started with the eldest when he said, that him who is without sin cast the first stone. Because the punishment was stoning. That's why my hair is long. Because the same woman who washed his feet with her tears and dried it with her hair was a prostitute. So I made a vow from that day that I would never cut my hair. Slipped up on one occasion, found out what vows meant. Uh, <laughs> uh, and that is a Nazarite vow here. Because I've said to the Lord, because you're so gracious to me, I want there to be an outward sign for me and for him. He knows why it's like that. Um, but that's not the point. The point is that he, it was his grace that enabled me. Go and sin no more. From that day on, nothing more with this man. Then I had to tell him. Then it all lit. But that was a different matter. Because push came to shove and the crunch point came, of course. And expectation was high and the, and the answer was no. <laughs> uh, and he went burlesque. Or berserk even. But the point is that whatever it is that you are fighting right this minute, and there will be something in your physical appetites that are, it is needful to be brought under control, God will grace you to do it. Whether it's giving up smoking, giving up going on a diet, whatever it is, when your heart is really wanting to do it, what does the scripture we started with? To strengthen those whose heart was fully committed. He strengthened me. It says in Hebrews, doesn't it, therefore, straighten the ankles and the hands that hang down, the weakness. We are weak. He doesn't say, pull yourself together like a pair of curtains. He says, let me come alongside and let me help you. That's what the indwelling Holy Spirit is about. That's why he's there. He is the power to enable you to do whatever God is asking of you at this minute. The other thing I remember is the night before I was uh, water baptized, you know, fully immer full immersion, I was still painting at that time. Um, and I'm there in my, with my drawing board, still smoking like, and drinking like a trooper because I probably hadn't stopped then. I can't remember whether I'd or not. Doesn't matter. And on the corner of my drawing board was this little demon. I could see him clearly. And he's saying, it's not too late. You can go back. This man will take you back. It's not too late. You don't want to go this way. Don't want to go this way. He'll take you back. You can pick up where you left off. And I'm hanging on to my drawing board saying, no, no, I'm not going there. No, it was a fight. Because he knew that once I went through the waters of baptism and I went under, that was it. Death to the old life rising in the new. Uh, but the battle was intense. But the grace of God brought me through it. So it's always grace. If he's saying to you, control yourself in this area, it's grace. There's a girlie over in, uh, I, I don't know, I may be proved wrong, please, that I am. She keeps, I spoke about her, you know, the fasting. She thought the Lord wanted her to fast, and he said, what are you fasting for? And 
She said, well, you know, fasting, because I think it'd be a good idea. I said, no, you're not. You're fasting because you want to lose weight. <laughs> Rumpled. So, of course, she had to stop that. She keeps making attempts at losing weight. My view is that she just needs to eat properly or go to Weight Watchers because they teach you, they re-educate you in what you eat. And so then the control comes because they re-educate you. Spoke to her the other day, going on the Cambridge diet. Oh, yes. Heard of that, I thought. And she said, it's not like the one Martin was on, you know, it's all the, all the, all the fluids and the Martin that lost half his body weight. It's not like that. Well, it's the same one as Tanya's on, isn't she? She's on Lighter Life, isn't she? That's right. So she's not like that. She's the Cambridge diet. Now, God is so gracious. I said, oh, all right then. Mm -hmm. We've prayed about it with it. Mm -hmm. Okay. I thought, well, I'm not going to interfere. None of my business. In comes the local newspaper. Bless me, what's in there? Item on the Cambridge diet. It's exactly the same as Martin is on, 415 calories a day, all fluids and these odd chewy bars. And I thought, hello, who's pulling the wool over whose eyes here? <laughs> Are we in deception here by any chance? I thought, well, I'll just let it lie. And she said, I'm not to start it until after Tim's wedding. I thought, yeah, well, okay, we'll see. <laughs> uh, but when God is asking you to do something, he'll tell you how to do it. You know, when I had to give up smoking and I'm drying my toes and thinking, I'll never do this. He spoke to me in the bath. I want you to give up smoking. I was sitting there and remember it now. Oh, Lord, I said, I love you so much. I'll do anything you say. Oh, foolish one. Stop smoking. Pardon? <laughs> Can I have those two that are downstairs? No. There's two fags in the packet. Always used to have two fags in the packet, which would last me till I got round to the shop to buy some more. You see, you've got, you've got this plan. You work it out, don't you? How are you going to do it? Give them up, throw them away. So as I'm getting out of the bath, drying my feet, I'm thinking to myself, I'll never do this. Now, you can't have a private thought. Have you ever learned that? Did you know that? There is no such thing as a private thought with the Holy Spirit because he immediately said to me, every time we want a cigarette, pray in tongues. Huh? So, every time I wanted a cigarette, I prayed in tongues because that was the way he told me. And I never had a fag from that day to this because he asked me, he empowered me. All I had to do was to exercise self-control and not actually take those cigarettes. For years when people offered me a cigarette, my hand, I thought, get in. Have you ever noticed how your hand will do things? Anne said, yes, completely independent. That's the sarks, you see. Anne said yesterday, the trouble is, she said, when you sit at the table, you find other things to eat. I said, that's why I excuse myself from the dinner table, you know, as soon as I can. As soon as I've eaten all I know that I should eat, I'm getting out of it. Because otherwise, my hand is off on a trip of its own. And it goes straight to the mouth and in. And before I know where I am, I've eaten two or three times more than I intended to eat. So I won't have that. Keep control of this thing. So that's what self-control is all about. It's his discipline and it's his path to conform us to the image of Jesus. That's what it's all about. And it's not easy because the D word never is. Um, but it's worth it. It's because our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. 
And if we want the fullness and the power of God moving and operating so that we make a difference in our lives to other people, I think it was Graham on one of those uh, CDs that we listened to, was that one of God's people fully committed can affect thousands. And th these people, like we've heard from George Muller, uh, Whitefield, uh, people like that, they affected thousands, if not millions of people, because of the commitment of their heart to him. And that is just a transaction you make with him. As A.W. Tozer says, it can take you 25 years or a few minutes. You make the decision before God. And as you know, since I've heard about Reese Howell, um, his, son, his son said that, um, that when they asked him what was the secret, his father's secret, he said the Lord's servant was possessed by God. I want that. That's my goal. I want to be possessed by God. What's the purpose otherwise? I don't want to go into eternity with a pea-sized soul. And it's now where my soul will be prepared for eternity. You're going to take that soul with you. The you part of you will go with you into eternity. So to the extent that you allow the righteousness of God to be worked in, that will be your portion. I don't know whether there's more training afterwards. But I do know that, you know, the parable of the talents. You're not expected to give a five-talent return if you've got one talent. He's not an unreasonable master. But what did he say to the, to the one that buried his talent? I always knew you were this and I knew you were that. What he's got is a wrong view of who God was. So he didn't invest his talent and get a return on it. It's not about money. It's about growth inside I mean you may be a five talent person I know that I've got a lot of talents not talents abilities talents like that it's I know that God has invested a lot in me so I want him to have a return and so uh, my my goal my work is to study to have um, to make myself approved it says in, in Timothy doesn't it Depends on what your calling is. Find out what your calling is and then work at it with all your heart. Your calling may be to be the best wife and mother that's ever walked the earth. Then work at it with all your heart. It doesn't have to be one of the fivefold ministries. It could be anything. But find out from God, what is my destiny? Because I want to fulfill it. We are all people of destiny. He has got a destiny written out for you. You know the two staircases that my pastor used to speak about and he said I don't want to get there he said and uh, there's these two staircases one going up one side one the other and and there's this pictures all the way up the side of that one and I think I don't remember doing any of that and God says no this is the stairway that you chose to walk and there he sees himself doing all these things it's all about what we choose to do and you know if you say to God okay I want to be sold out I'd say it with fear and trembling, but I want to be sold out whatever it costs. I want what you've got. I want the max. Because we only get one shot at it. It's like being parents. We only ever get one shot at that. Remember that. We practice all the time and we make mistakes. 
so we only get one shot at it. We only get one crack at this thing. Uh, it, it's like that poem, isn't it? That time. Lord, I have time. Time is a commodity. That's the only commodity that we have, is time. And it's how we spend it. We can't get it back again. How we use time. Don't be frivolous with the time that God gives you. Um, I don't mean don't have don't enjoy I mean laughter here is there's plenty of that isn't there we're always doing something that's making everybody else have hysterics with laughter it's not about being straight laced and having no fun and no enjoyment it's not about that at all the joy of the Lord is your strength and the it joy bubbles up in the most difficult circumstances so as we start to move into God's purposes and say to him look Lord I trust you 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 know you can have the lot then you've given him carte blanche do you remember when I gave you the blank checks I found mine in the front of the Bible I promised to give the Lord anything he asked and I, I left them to sign their own thing and, and date it and some people came back to me and said it took me a few days to sign that once he's got that your life then will take a turn everything that happens is bringing you into what you've promised him which is just everything and then he can use you uh, in the way he chooses whatever it is he chooses to do that's fine you know um, when I was down with Chris and Telsa he had a row of questions for me as soon as I got down there. I'm sitting there trying to study and he said, uh, is it all right if I speak to you or, or are you busy? And I thought, I'm actually busy, but it's okay. Go on then, what do you want to know? Well, how do you see things working out then? <laughs> um, I don't. Well, what do you mean? You must have some idea of where you're going. No, don't have the map. <laughs> he could not get his head around this one at all. Because I think it's a male thing as well. They like to know where they're going, what the plot is, where the map is. But I'm off my map, so I've no idea. A poor bloke. I mean, we did have some misunderstandings because I could not grasp where he was coming from. He wanted to pin me down. But I got something. Well, how do you see us fitting into it? Oh, well, I don't. Um, if God's got a plan, then yeah but I'm not privy to it at the moment <laughs> ah difficult or what so God's got a plan line ourselves up behind it go for it uh, I had a difficult time last night I was still trying to orientate myself after having been away uh, I, I mean, I was like catapulted <laughs> down to Devon. <laughs> Drove down there, don't remember the drive. It was that sort of thing. Did it in four and a quarter hours. Must have had foot fairly down heavy on accelerator. But the car went like bird. That was good. And I'm telling everybody else to not exceed the speed limit. I had to ask someone what the speed limit was. I said, you know, what is the speed limit on motorways? And they said 70. I said, oh dear. Well, I was overtaken at the time. A lot. <laughs> Are you allowed to go faster when you're overtaking? I don't know. Anyway, I got there. Uh, and I could not get my head together. I just, okay, uh, 
it was, I just could not get myself straight and then I came back and I'm still in the same state of and then Monday night comes and I'm supposed to be doing something for a, a house group that seemed to grow itself out from nowhere didn't it and I thought I know what I'll do I'll stick uh, Graham on because I've got absolutely nothing and I sat here listening to Graham and just worshipping because I thought something's going on here Lord either I've missed it somewhere and in which case you'll show me but I'm just going to be at peace and wait for you to speak and if you don't that's fine because if you don't initially you will eventually and uh, so I sat quietly feeling just absolutely plateaued out nothing happening at all and all of a sudden just beginning, I thought, oh, 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 here comes the Holy Spirit, and and I forget what happened then, but we had quite a lively debate over something, didn't we? Uh, yeah, <laughs> Sarah remembers it. Um, but uh, you know, you, you just have to wait. When the Holy Spirit rises, there's nothing to stop him. Uh, but you don't want to know when my flesh rises. You don't want to hear that. So this thing's got to be put under control. As David used to say, I wouldn't cross the road for my opinion. Neither would I. You don't want my opinion. People say, what's your opinion? Don't have one. Wouldn't cross the road for it. Just one little interesting thing I'll fling out. You may not have um, picked up on it, or, and I may be completely wrong, so I'll fling it out and you can decide. From two separate directions, I've heard people say, isn't it brilliant, you know, um, answer to prayer how these casinos are not going to be opened up in the country after all which is brilliant um, and uh, various people leaping up and down with great delight been praying about that good 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 but it suddenly flashed into my mind that the state of the country is only reflecting the state of the church so the state the country is in right now is actually a reflection of the state that the church is in. If the country is beginning to turn round, what that says to me is the church is beginning to turn round. God is beginning to hear the prayers of his people and respond because the church is coming back into alignment, stop playing its games, it's coming back into alignment with God. It's purifying itself, the bride is making herself ready and that is why we're seeing the result there so in a way it's wrong to start being a hooray Henry about the prayer being answered look at what is actually happening in the body it's an interesting I mean whether this is right or not I don't know but it just flashed it dropped into my mind as revelation does it's not through the Brits because of this because the move of the Holy Spirit at the moment is from where God has blessed what the churches have done. This was what the argument was about, wasn't it, on Monday night? This felt I was down on the church. And when I prayed, I, when I came into prayer, because there was such a... He was so getting so heated, love him over it. Um, the Lord said to me, it's you love the people, it's the institution that you hate. And in other words, it is the spirit that is over the thing, that is operating the church, that the people concerned are cooperating with. It's the old Frankenstein monster. It's got up off the table and it is controlling us. The church has got itself into such a state corporate that it, 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 
is governed by its buildings and its offerings and its programs and everything else because of the religious spirit that sits on it. It's lost the freedom to be what God created it to be and the change that is coming is that God is bringing that freedom back to his people gathering people the way he wants them to gather doing what he wants to do which is what we saw in the first place allowing him to be God and the relaxation in God's people when they realize there is another way of doing things is huge it's like a tension begins to unwind within them because instead of having to jump through hoops behave in a certain way toe the line under the spirit of control that is over the thing they're released to be kingdom people which includes the church but because it was a new concept to the young laddie that was here he was he was defending uh, the system and the very fact that he was defending the system and also incidentally defending his wife because underneath everything else was the fact that his wife is got her feet firmly I'm not moving and so as this came across he was saying it sounded like I was attacking the church and I said father deal with me ruthlessly I can't have this if that's how I'm coming across that I'm attacking the church I'm not I love it and that was when he said to me it's the system that you hate because why because he hates it he hates the system and the system behind the system is a demonic force so he's not attacking people at all he's attacking the principalities and powers that are behind the system in order to release the people and apparently Joyce and he had a good conversation at a breakfast time and he'd swung right round he understood he understood what was being said because his first the truth was negative and I saw the pupils of his eyes dilate and I thought what would you do but it had to be said yeah because God wanted it said because he's in leadership and it is it's negative the truth when it first comes is always negative but the truth will set you free so Joyce and he had a good chew of the fat over breakfast and I didn't get involved in it anymore but he, he understands I understand that I'm not making myself clear when I speak about that which I know in my heart and as God is, 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 is opening it up more to me what I see is a church full of potential that has been sat upon very effectively because while the enemy can control the church he's got us as the old saying used to say by the short and curlies he's got us in a position where we're absolutely rendered powerless but one with God's the majority and I want to be one that will chase a thousand not part of a thousand that can't chase one if you see what I mean I see myself as defending a lentil patch with the jawbone of an axe <laughs> judges <laughs> anyway there we 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 so god disciplines us 
coaches us like an athlete, gets on the player's back and rides him to the limits of his endurance, but it's not quite like that. But it's so that he will reach his full capacity. That's why he does it, so that we will come to the potential that is seeded into each one of us. That's what he wants to release, you to your full potential, to your full beauty in him, so that you might shine as lights in the firmament as you hold out the word of life. That is the whole thing, that we are strangers and aliens, but we've become, the church is so much in the world, you know, it's, it's getting the, the world out of the church that's the problem, or the church out of the world. We are so worldly cause in our thinking, because we haven't actually had this sort of thing laid out for us. You've got a choice, you can have this or you can have that, you know. And we're on the winning side. We're condemned to victory. Good stuff. We can't lose. We cannot lose. There is no way we can lose because Jesus has won and we're on his side. But God forbid we should step back into the territory of the enemy who will have us for lunch. But we get to choose, don't we? And it doesn't matter where you are today. Your potential is what God is aiming at. That's where he's taking you. The Lord has given a land of good things. I will press in and make them mine. What is that? I'll know his power. I'll know his glory. And in his kingdom I will shine. And we, it says, doesn't it, we'll bind their kings in chains and fetters, their nobles tighten iron to execute God's written judgment. We get to do the judging at the end of the day. Know you not that you will judge the angels? Feel like Steptoe's dad. <laughs> Payback. Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your word, Father. I, I pray, Father, that you will go down deep into our ears. As you say, Shema Yisrael Adonai Elohim. Adonai Echod, hear, O Israel, the Lord, the Lord your God is one. He's the only one. Thank you, Lord. Amen.